Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and you're on the record. It is a time like none other in South Florida, although the on-ice and on-court might not catch up. We'll see. NBA, NHL. It's also a time for big-time sports all over the country and the world. Time for deal-making issues, three to one. Three. Forbes' study talks about different sports. New York Knicks, most profitable. They've done it and some, bottom line, a profit of $404 million. The Knicks at the top of the NBA group, Dallas Cowboys, for the last three years, top all, certainly still top football, soccer team, Tottenham Hotspur, there. Manchester United rounds out the top five, another soccer team. NFL teams, significantly boosted by massive television deals, clearly are there. And through the end of 2021, they counted significantly loosening of COVID-19 restrictions was a big deal. Look at the Knicks. They win a total of 47 games, and the deal is that they go to the conference finals, and with their ratings, they, of course, significantly increase in value. There's the profit. Two. You think of some of the deals with NBC Sports. The biggest deal, nearly a decade old, is the Premier League. Second most watched Premier League season ever this last year. Delivers the two most watched Premier League matches in U.S. TV history in 2023. Peacock sets live streaming records. Four Peacock exclusive matches, top 750,000 viewers. NBC Sports fans bring closer to Premier League action A lot of issues there, but also the deals around the shoulder programming. The Men in Blazers, Low Down Podcast, the two Robbies. Obviously, leading by Peacock, the matches set records for mainstream, simulstream Premier League matches. An average minute audience, AMA, about 510,000 viewers. That's huge. One. It's kind of a combination, and the number one is important to me. The Miami Heat, the Florida Panthers, talked about the history years ago, early as 1981. The Sports Authority in Miami created to try to deal with bringing not only a major league franchise, but how about a couple? Well, we looked around and found the fact that there was a opportunity to generate a bit of money, only $30 million. That was enough to get the arena done in a place called Overtown, which is now changed to a new building. But when Wayne Heisinger steps up for the Panthers at $50 million, and Ted Arison at $32.5 for the Heat, $82.5 million buys something from the South Florida perspective you could never get. And back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, big deal. Deal-making issue number one, the Heat and the Celtics for their conference finals, one of the biggest games in the history of of TNT, Warner Brothers later up the final average to 12 million after the data was analyzed. But clearly, Discovery and the bottom line 
a big deal for the NBA. As far as the NHL concerned, they're hoping to maintain the ratings momentums early on the 1.14 million viewers across uh, ABC, ESPN, TNT, up 2% from last season, and they're thinking about more. The bottom line is not only the ratings, but what happens in South Florida, as well as Vegas, and obviously as well as Denver, they're all major stories this summer, this spring. As deal making issue number one, and we continue with the tale of two cities, talk about South Florida, I do it with pride. We're also talking about Phoenix and Arizona. Remember the referendum with the Coyotes failed, now they're looking, maybe elsewhere. But also all of the events next year, the Final Four, had the Super Bowl. Phoenix, not just Phoenix, but Glendale and, and the Mesa and uh, Scottsdale and all of the Tempe big cities. Chris Camacho, the Greater Phoenix Economic Council President and CEO since 2015, EVP, 2008 to 2014, one of the longest-standing economic development partnerships in the U.S., big development partnership, and catalyst for other things. GoDaddy, Yelp, Zoom, Garmin, a lot of companies brought in with the help of Chris Camacho. In fact, 515 companies with about $27 billion in capital investment, about 95,000 jobs. It is a familiar tale across the country, but if you have infrastructure and political will, and sports franchises looked at as industrial relocation. You're going to do really well. Chris Camacho gives us his perspective. Here he is now. The whole industry is now post-COVID in an arms race with everybody else to not only recover, but also to acquire significant assets. And in, in my, in our industry, it's facilities that then lead to Super Bowls and Final Fours and All-Star Games and all of that. Uh, what is the role generally of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council in enhancing all of that? Yeah, so our, our mainstay role is to uh, unite the business community, the civic community to bring new business uh, to Greater Phoenix and certainly advise uh, the governor, the policymakers on ensuring that the region maintains a competitive position, albeit for industry or for sport. And we've got a longstanding history of working with uh, Super Bowl attraction to I'm one of the Thunderbirds that supports the WM Phoenix Open. And more recently, just last week, we submitted our letter uh, to the NBA for a future, what we hope to be a future NBA All-Star Game in 2025. So the connectivity to sport is a very significant aspect of economic development and economic impact to our communities. It's also almost harder to quantify as somebody who's been in the facility development world in the sense that, you know, people who live in a town understand that that's kind of almost taken for granted, but they don't see the nexus, uh, I think, between industry rel relocation, quality of life. You do these presentations every day. So, you know, what would you say to the masses about that connection? Well, oftentimes, you know, Joe Public won't understand or have access to the, the, the process by which, whether it's sports or companies, are making site location decisions. And there's a myriad of factors. And one of the items that I often find overlooked simply is, is the momentum a market uh, uh, man, you know, maintains. And so when you have momentum, a place like Phoenix, which we've been so fortunate in 2015, you know, hosting a Super Bowl, more recently another Super Bowl, the WMs every year, uh, Barrett-Jackson uh, car show every year, uh, and then spring training. You, you have to build on your strengths and unnaturally climate plays into that. Uh, probably not a better place in the country 
to be in, in you know, January, February. And, you know, so we, we were able to lure a lot of new enterprises to Greater Phoenix. And, and I've got a really exciting one that I'm hoping we'll be able to announce next quarter uh, in, in the racing uh, scene that we've been working on for the better part of a year to bring, you know, another racing uh, aspect outside of PIR, which is a really exciting Phoenix International Raceway, another you know big race to the market. So it's exciting to be part of that. And we get the business community, the civic community engaged in that process and, and really how the residents benefit. The economic diversification sports play is a very significant role. And then ultimately, these are added dollars that are brought into our community and spent in our communities. Uh, if you do a, 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 a street race, don't do it in the summer. It's going to melt all those tires, pal. I, 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 tell you. I promise you. Yeah, we won't be doing July and August in Phoenix, even though it's a dry heat. I don't think it matters at that point. Dry heat. Try to play golf in that dry heat, but that's another matter. So I understand that you've done this for uh, nine years as president and CEO, and you were EVP since 08. Uh, you're a pro at this, and it's a combination of – uh, leadership, uh, uh, analytics, uh, politics. Uh, wh what are the necessary tools in your toolkit to attract and retain businesses? Sure. Well, we try to keep the politics at a minimum, best we can. Uh, but certainly when you have uh, the public sector engaged, which you need the public sector engaged, you need the elected officials that represent the people to have a seat at the table because they're working alongside business leaders to ensure that our, our market cultivation is attractive. So whether you're trying to recruit a startup company or grow a startup company, or you're trying to recruit Apple and Microsoft, there's levers that have to be pulled uh, to do so. And traditionally, you know, markets are in a position uh, to produce high quality labor, STEM talent, modern infrastructures needed. All these facets are under review by these global companies. And then as it relates to sports, it's, it's really not that dissimilar. You have to have a market where the elected officials are supportive of wanting to recruit these big events. You have to be in a position to have an airport and even uh, public safety teams willing to lean in to support these major events. And then more recently, in about the last decade, uh, you have to, I, I would argue, have to have a mega events fund because these locations, uh, you know, there's so many new stadiums going up. There's so many new uh, requirements that these uh, you know, major uh, leagues are requiring that if, if you're not playing at the top of your game, there's going to be another market that, you know, will want to win the business. So as much as I despise incentives and wish we didn't have to, you know, utilize those as a vehicle to recruit companies and recruit big events, the, the economic return speaks for itself. And so that's really where, you know, we see us judiciously utilizing those kind of funds. You can despise incentives all you want, but if your neighbors use them, uh, you're, you know, you're going to hate them out the door and you're going to go to an event in the next state, uh, I, I fear. Uh, how uh, uh, similar is the process of, let's say, attracting GoDaddy and Yelp and Zoom and Garmin and, and Amazon to attracting a Major League Baseball All-Star game or, 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 or an NBA All-Star game, for example? Yeah, the, I would say the difference is uh, on the, the former example, there's very significant analytics that go into understanding, do you have the real estate? Do you have the requisite labor force? Uh, do you have the right infrastructure needed for manufacturing or technology workers, et cetera? Whereas on the sports side, there's generally a handful of markets where these big events want to go to. And, and that's driven by weather, it's driven by scale, Meaning, you know, can your stadium host this kind of mega event? Does your downtown and your 
location have all the requisite amenities, the hotel nights that, that a major NFL Super Bowl uh, will entail, for example. So it, it is a bit different in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of general process. But as it comes down to it, you know, organizing the market, uh, sports really, I think, creates a fundamental discipline for how a market goes after something big. And that takes the Convention Visitors Bureau, the, the tourism leadership of the state, all the way through the economic development and civic leadership to say, you know, do we want to continue to host these mega events? Well, when you have a, a Super Bowl that, that brings in $800 million of direct and indirect economic impact, you know, that tells a pretty significant story. And in addition to that, one final thing I'll say about that, too, is uh, this last Super Bowl, I don't think we've ever had kind of the brand visibility for Phoenix globally uh, that, that that particular game with the Chiefs and Eagles afforded us. Uh, Phoenix is a market that's been really been climbing in, in just about every national ranking and having a Super Bowl of that caliber, the, the number of eyeballs that were on Phoenix and our landscape and even the Grand Canyon uh, shows that you know we're a major U.S. player as the fifth largest city. So those are some of the exciting things that go into this process. You know, facilities are also an important part of this sports world because you can't have the mega events without stability in facility issues. And so I know the Diamondbacks are coming to the end of their their lease and you got the, you know, the Suns and the and the Cardinals. Uh, we can talk about the Coyotes. That's a, a changing landscape every day. But how important is facilities? How important are the, you know, the Diamondbacks uh, stadium quest, for example? I assume it's all important to you. Well, it's absolutely critical. And, and if you think about where some of the most uh, admired cities were built uh, in and around stadiums, and even their central business district are anchored by these stadiums, uh, hotels, commercial developments, amenity bases are anchored around them. So, you know, my hope for Phoenix, because you're absolutely right, we have uh, the Diamondbacks, of which Derek Hall serves uh, on my board, very close to GPEC, uh, along with the Suns, uh, new ownership, Matt Ishbia. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, new terrain ahead for stadiums and most likely there'll be a pretty substantial renovation, uh, coming with the Diamondbacks. And at the same time, the Suns went through one fairly recently. Uh, but I know Matt's got some big ideas and big plans for, for downtown Phoenix. And at the same time, you mentioned the Coyotes, uh, you know, which we're, we're big hockey fans in the desert. Uh, but this is going to be a really important moment for the team and the ownership and, and, that meant to determine what does the future look like for the Coyotes in playing hockey in Phoenix. And uh, so, you know, we're excited to play a, a role in that. We'll do a lot of the economic impact analysis work on the various options for each of these teams. But I can't tell you the connective tissue and glue that uh, these stadiums afforded downtown. If you look at all of the, the restaurants and, you know, the, the evening kind of uh, convening point that a stadium affords a market, it, it's it's like the, the heartbeat of the community. And it's, you know, arts and cultural events are built around it. And so very, very important to see more of them, uh, you know, evolve in our community. I, I guess, uh, you know, as an urban expert, you have to be, when you think of, of the extra add-on, let's take the Diamondbacks, for example, and what has happened with Bob and Chase Field and whatever you're calling it down the road, the idea of a downtown anchor in a region as large and diverse as Phoenix is even more important. You know, Miami, Lauderdale, uh, uh, West Palm, uh, the center of the market, uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington. 
and similar with Scottsdale and Mesa and then Glendale over there and obviously downtown Phoenix. Uh, it's not like a one city, smaller suburbs radi radiating out. It, it, downtown's very important to the region, right? Yeah, it's, it is very unique, Rick, that we have six communities over 250,000 people. Mesa is the 30, I think, 35th largest city in the country. Most people don't know that, but that's a next door neighbor suburb to Phoenix. So when you have 5 million people and have the number of larger communities, uh, certainly there's uh, employment centers developed. I think the last time I looked, there was 90 plus employment centers across the valley uh, that have over 3,000 employees that reside within them. So very different from other American cities where the central business district is traditionally anchored right through the central avenue spine. Uh, but I would argue that's why even it's even more important to have Phoenix protecting our airport, uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. If you've flown through there recently, we've yeah. had a new concourse. I mean, it's an incredible airport with you know, as a top 10 employment deployment location. Uh, but at the same time, as the sports team goes downtown or as they go downtown, uh, as will the continued investment in downtown. There's over $4 billion currently under construction, new, t uh, new towers, new high rises of residential, commercial, um, leading up to the, the uh, COVID induced uh, brief downturn. Uh, we had so much momentum in downtown around tech jobs, around financial services, and we're just starting to see that come back. But that's a big part of uh, the urban landscape is having, you know, the density of those tech and financial services jobs. So all of that's connected to uh, sports being downtown. You legitimately take credit for, and I'm sure it's an understatement, uh, 515 relocated companies, uh, about uh, 27 billion in capital in in investment, uh, 95,000 jobs and, and more now. Uh, and it's also a, uh, in in many ways, a political campaign to explain why sports mega events facilities ought to be included as part of that because uh, the numbers are significant and it also leads to more awareness, which will generate even more locations and more jobs. Uh, difficult to do? Is it is it easier because you've accomplished it in, in certain ways with a couple of teams and it's easier the next time? What's your take on all that? Well, you know, I've, I've been at GPEC, as you said, for uh, what feels like an eternity, but the last 15 years. And you know, when you when you do this kind of work with the partners that we do, you know, certainly you build a level of credibility where the market responds uh, when you're advising or or directing the market needing to go to a certain direction. I will tell you, sports, I would argue it's it's probably one of the most competitive eras we've ever seen. You have an era where the general public, while big sporting fans aren't necessarily wanting to utilize taxpayer dollars as regularly as they did in the 80s and 90s to help build stadiums or even put tax uh, strategies in place to either reduce cost or you know have recapture mechanisms for uh, ownership to recapture some of the investment dollars required. So all that being said, not only do you have the in-market uh, requirements of educating your market, showing the value proposition of why sports matter, then you have, as what we talked about earlier, uh, the national landscape of markets that are extraordinarily competitive. And so I'd almost put those in three classes. You have markets that you know, are, are emerging. I'd, I'd put Las Vegas up the road from us yeah. in an emerging right. category, very aggressive with the, now the A's and Raiders. And you have others that I would say on the other side of the spectrum that are just holding on. And when I talk to other owners across the leagues, uh, they talk about how hard it is to operate in those particular markets. So 
and I, I would put Phoenix more in the emerging market because we're still aggressively trying to, you know, see our teams be successful. So you have all of that myriad of complexity, uh, but being there as long as, you know, our team has been there, we're definitely a respected voice in partnering with our governor, with our legislature, our city, our, our city mayors, our supervisors at the county level. And I would argue that's what it takes. It, it takes the quantifiable evidence, taking out the politics. What you said, if you want to sit this out and let another market yeah. compete with you, you're going to lose. And, and I'm a competitive guy, as you can probably tell. Uh, you know, we're, we compete for every deal that, that we're in. And, you know, we go to the mat for that. A lot of frenzy, even a couple of years ago, and now we're clearly in the post-pandemic economic recovery stage. The survivors and the entrepreneurs have rebounded to great heights. Uh, what's your take on, uh, you know, historically, uh, when you look back at the Spanish flu and Yankee Stadium and others being built in a large response to post-Spanish flu economic recovery, and now, 100 years later, we have gathering picking up momentum. You have infrastructure that's being developed as an opportunity to hasten recovery. You see a parallel there? Well, I definitely feel like sports are a uniter coming out of a major crisis. Whether I go back, I just watched the 30 for 30 with uh, George Bush and you know, yeah. 2001, 9-11. If that doesn't get your heart beating on Memorial Day, I don't know what does. But, you know, that's... Well, it uh, does. That, that year is especially significant for you guys. I mean, yeah, for a incredible. lot of reasons, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think of the time with Gonzo and we, we had numerous exchanges with uh, members of that team. Uh, and, and again, that's our hometown pride, right? That that 2001 season. Yeah. season. But, you know, I just I look at sports as that the unifier for the broader public and, you know, coming out of a crisis, whether it's a 9-11 type crisis or a major pandemic that you know, led to the market feeling very vulnerable. Uh, there's no question that, you know, I think when Cactus League, you know, formally came back the spring training, there's a, you know, half the MLB teams are out here. And unfortunately, I mean, we, we had just got into that in 2020. We were ready to kick off the season, and obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. And seeing them come back in full force, uh, it's just, you know, you see all the different jerseys in town and in that March time frame of the fans across the country and, and Scottsdale and, uh, Goodyear and Glendale, all these cities are so hospitable. And to me, like that's what Greater Phoenix is all about. It has this very Midwestern feel, you know, Midwestern work ethic with this like Southern California welcoming vibe. So you merge those together and that's what these visitors get you know, coming in from all over the country. Uh, but that's how I, I view, you know, these mega opportunities sports-wise coming out of these pandemic uh, you know, type experiences. It's definitely, it reunites the community. So finally, where is Greater Phoenix uh, five years from now, broadly defined? Well, my hope is that we continue on this trajectory of being one of the most dynamic innovation-centered economies in the country. Um, I hope we'll be anchored with a few other uh, major uh, location, uh, sports locations that uh, bring about you know new fan bases coming to Arizona, getting exposed to Arizona. Uh, there's no question that our hand out in the Sun Belt, you know, we're a place that people want to be, want to relocate to. Uh, and, and yet my job is to make sure as we transition governors, which we did recently from Governor Ducey, whom uh, fellow Thunderbird worked very closely with him uh, on a number of things. Now Governor Hobbs, who I work very closely with on her transition team, you know, how do we continue to ad advance this economy uh, and, and understand all the levers that are needed on everything from water stability to air quality, 
uh, you know, the right smart growth principles. And I, I can tell you, I mean, we're just, I think we're in a really unique position. And personally, I view, you know, myself and my team's role as, you know, we have to set the right terrain, you know, terrain and strategy for the next 20 to 30 years so that our kids and grandkids want to live and raise their kids in greater Phoenix. And so that's kind of the mindset we take about all the work that we do. We'll do more of these around the country, but clearly Arizona, one of the first and best examples of what we're talking about. And now that we have other franchises in Arizona that, for example, the Diamondbacks, their lease is up soon, public-private partnership cooperation is more important than ever. Sports Gaming Minute, micro betting. We haven't really heard about that a lot, but how about if you want to bet on Will Cleveland uh, starter Shane Bieber's next pitch exceed a certain mile-an-hour threshold, for example? Next pitch, a ball and strike on another screen. That's flying in. You didn't think it was possible, but yet Sports Radar, a provider of data and analytics, says micro-betting accounts for about $1.5 billion to $2 billion in handle now. It's going to be twice as much in the next couple of years and twice that in a very short period of time. Bottom line is challenge for not only the providers, the marketers, and everything in between, that becomes a very important issue in the years ahead. Not just that, the months and days ahead. That's your Sports Gambling Minute. How about tech? Sports Tech Minute focuses on EA Sports and Nike. The virtual studios of Nike and EA Sports announced they're joining hands. Bring the virtual experience of Swoosh to EA Sports creation and dot .swoosh gets access to enhanced personalized experience. The community, along with massive fan base, they say, the Nike and EA Sports share a mutual commitment to innovation, excellence, and creativity, they say, but the launch announced on November 22, undergoing testing process ever since, it remains a space where creators certainly can express themselves via innovation, and Nike and EA Sports, two industry leaders, to do exactly that. That's your Sports Tech Minute, and finally, as we normally do, good sports. PSG's Qatari owners take o- talk over Sampdoria Investments and others involved in that space. Qatar, clearly off the World Cup and off other examples, want to make sure that they stay ahead of anybody else who may be trying to uh, occupy that space. They certainly have more money than most. Benzema leaves Real Madrid after 14 years to join League One club Lyon, and he brings some of his philanthropic ideas to that club. Shannon Sharp done with Skip Bayless, a power struggle. Uh, Squabble on the air, is it real or is it selling viewership? We'll see. Tom Brady say he and Bill Belichick have a great relationship. Very fortunate to play with him. Brady honored in a ceremony at his former home when the Patriots open up the 2023 season against the Eagles on September 10. That'll be a big deal. And then St. Louis County Police Youth Sports Partners say the no way to avoid program cuts after police staffing changes. That may be one of the biggest issues we have at the end of this because that may happen all over the country. And we all understand how important youth sports is in terms of making sure 
ultimately graduation rates increase and crime rates decrease. We'll just have to follow that story. Thanks, everybody, for enjoying, hopefully, the road to South Florida sports awareness in a massive way. We've covered three very important political, economic, business development folks in Phoenix over the past three weeks, headlined by this week's Chris Camacho and the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. like to thank him for participating. like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping us with the podcast. And thank you again for listening and watching. Join us again when we get inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm Rick Carr, sports professor. Speak with you soon.